of you. What if it was planted there as a subconscious reaction to a turbulent childhood, bad breakups or the like? What if, with this pattern buried deep in your subconscious, you actively and deliberately undermined the success of your own relationship? You became sensitive to problems where there were apparently none. You started picking at, getting annoyed by, and blowing up at the tiniest of things. Over time, you proved your point, and the relationship reached its obvious, final, and natural conclusion. What if this is what you've become wired to win at? You were convinced you weren't worthy of a loving relationship, so you systematically set out to prove it, and you succeeded. Congratulations! If you think this is starting to make you sound like a hopeless sadomasochist, don't worry. There is a silver lining in all of this. You may not relate to the example I described. Maybe you're happily married to the love of your life, or perhaps you're beating off eligible suitors with a giant stick. Look at your own dark spots. The parts of your life where you're most ineffective where it seems like you have lost or are currently losing. You see, our thoughts are so powerful that they're constantly pushing you towards your goals even when you don't realize what those goals actually are. Your brain is wired to win. It doesn't just apply to your relationships. This dynamic is at play in your career your fitness, your finances, and everything else you do, you are hardwired to win. Which brings us to our next assertion. I am wired to win. You're always winning, because your brain is wired to. The trouble comes when what you really want, on a subconscious level, and what you say you want, are different. Sometimes radically so. Ruler of your domain. In his research, Dr. Bruce Lipton, the famous stem cell and DNA scientist, found that 95% of what we do in our day-to-day life is controlled by our subconscious. Think about that for a moment. That means that out of all the things you say or do, only a tiny fraction of them or with a true sense of volition. Think of all those times you lost track of time, drove home, couldn't remember a single thing about the journey, or forgot what day it was. For the most part, you're basically on autopilot, mindlessly gouging your way through life's predictable muddy field. The path you follow through life is the one dictated by your deepest, most inconspicuous thoughts. Your brain is constantly pushing you along that path, whether it's the one you would consciously choose to take or not. Can't seem to increase your income? Can't seem to lose weight? Have you considered the subconscious concealed beliefs about your income and your weight that may be driving your action or lack of it? You automatically relate to yourself as belonging to a certain economic class with a certain level of fitness, and your actions serve to keep you in place, 
right where you're most familiar to yourself. I like to say that we win in domains or worlds. Let's say you make $30,000 per year. That's a domain. All of the planning, strategy, and thinking you do to make that money constitute that domain. Believe it or not, it's not necessarily any harder to make $60,000 than it is $30,000. You may think it is, but that's not an absolute. Whether you work for $25 per hour or $50 per hour, 40 hours of work is still 40 hours of actual work. While it's important to identify what you're at work on and whether you're being productive instead of just busy, sometimes it really is a question of getting yourself into another domain. How does one do that? Firstly, you have to uncover and realize the ways in which you have limited yourself the kind of absolutes that you're currently unaware of. In short, the conclusions that you've come to about yourself, others, and life itself, those conclusions are the limit of your potential. It's only when you've broken through those conclusions and can experience a life outside of your current existence that you can start to understand the power of this phenomenon. While I appreciate that it seems like an overly simplistic view of life, it's a view that can open you up to whole other worlds of accomplishment, although that's a conversation for another time. In this instance, take the case that your life is split up into particular domains that you're existing in and winning at. The point is, you're winning in whichever domain you're playing in. You're wired to win in that domain. What it takes to move out of that domain is going to require some significant changes to your automatic. Find your winning edge. Still not convinced? It's time to turn the mirror on yourself and find out exactly where your wins are coming from. Look at your problem areas. Where in your life are you struggling most? Is it your career? Is it a negative habit? Is it your diet? Maybe you're constantly putting off work until the last minute. You'll wait and wait until you absolutely can't wait any longer. Then bust out the project once the pressure of a strict deadline is looming over you. We are always winning at proving something. In the case above, you win at proving either you have no time or that you're a procrastinator or a loser by getting things done at the very last minute. Or maybe it's something else. The key here is to question yourself, to look at your actions. What's the real point of all of this? What is it that you get to be right about when all is said and done? Just like I demonstrated in the opening example about a romantic relationship, we hold a certain belief about ourselves or life that we prove right time and time again through our everyday actions. Those beliefs uncannily turn out to be deadly accurate in our reality. Spinning your wheels? What are you out to prove there? I'm not worthy of love. I'm not smart. I'm a failure. I'm not as capable as I used to be. With those kinds of repeats 
stuck in your subconscious, is it any wonder that you are masterful in consistently proving them right? To succeed in another, more positive way, you'd have to prove those firmly held beliefs wrong. For your persona, that's a ground-shaking idea that is almost too much to bear. It would, in fact, unsettle the very foundations of who you've become. Many of my clients, I have found, have one particular thing in common, the subconscious desire to prove that their parents did a bad job raising them. This can manifest in so many different ways, some being worse than others. Some are subtle, others obvious, while all are very potent. You might try to prove that your parents failed to raise you well by treating your body like crap, getting arrested, becoming addicted to drugs or alcohol, dropping out of school, consistently failing in relationships, encountering chronic financial crises, or any one of a number of seemingly random paths we get ourselves lost in. They can drop all the way down to simply being disconnected or lost in the pressures of work as an adult. All of these are real-life examples that some of my clients discovered about themselves that ultimately proved that one or both of their parents failed to do their job, that their experiences as children did not adequately prepare them for adulthood. This belief, conveniently, also allows for a ready-made explanation as to why they did what they did and why they, from time to time, acted like complete assholes to others in their life. Can you see ways in which you do this in your own life? Think of the problem areas in your life. Now think of them in terms of what you're winning at. What do you see there? If you're struggling to get work done, perhaps you believe that you're incapable or lazy. You prove that idea every single time you pause or procrastinate. You're proving to yourself and others that you really are that person. Why do we do such things? We are survival machines. And what better way to survive what's to come than by reliving what has been? After all, it got you this far, regardless of how bad or negative it's been. You have survived. Don't limit yourself to the examples I'm giving. They're just that, examples. You could be winning at something completely different. Take some time for introspection. If need be, write down the patterns you're seeing. Put the pieces of the jigsaw together. Maybe you had great parents, but still find yourself incapable of committing to one person. Could it be because you believe your significant other couldn't possibly live up to the example you were raised with? The point is, we all have these items. Search out and connect all of the different situations that come into play in your life. Take note of all the times you broke your promise to diet, save your money, or speak your mind. Consider how many days you skipped the gym. Think about how you went to the mall instead of to the bank. Pick one and see if you can discover the win. The amount of times you argued or lost your temper when you know you shouldn't have. What's it all pointing to? 
whatever the domain you're winning in, you'll start to realize something. You're really good at it. You can avoid those dirty dishes in the sink for days. You use every plate, cup, piece of silverware in the house, and then you start getting creative until you're eating cereal out of a handy Tupperware container using a wooden baking spoon. Holy crap, a life hack. Take a picture and get it on your Pinterest page. It's actually rather impressive in a weird kind of way. Once you've taken the time to analyze your own life through this lens, you'll start to see what I'm saying is true. You really are wired to win. You really can and do achieve the things you set your mind to. The Stoic philosopher Seneca once said, It is the power of the mind to be unconquerable. Right now, your mind is unconquerable when it comes to proving that you're not worthy of love, that you're lazy, or that you'll always be out of shape or never have any money. But if we change our thinking a little, we can use our mind's unconquerable nature to act on all the positive goals and dreams we hold for ourselves. We are wired to win. We just have to point ourselves in the right direction so we can win at something we consciously choose. Creating a Game Plan The happiness of your life depends upon the quality of your thoughts. Therefore, guard accordingly and take that you entertain no notions unsuitable to virtue and reasonable nature. That's a quote by Marcus Aurelius. We have talked about the enormous role our subconscious plays in everything we do. Even if we consciously made the right decisions at every opportunity, it would still only account for a fraction of our daily life. The personal assertion, I am wired to win, will support you in realizing how truly powerful you and your mind are. But you still need a game plan. That means we have to start filling our bucket with the right ideas. Here's a good way to start. Think about the thing or things you'd like to change in your life. They could be related to the problem areas you looked at earlier, or they could be something completely different. Where would you really like to see progress? What do you really want to accomplish? Take that goal and break it down. What exact steps do you need to take to achieve it? What are the mile markers you need to set out to identify your progress? If you want to lose weight, Think about how you'll need to change your diet, get more exercise, and generally adopt more healthful, nurturing habits. Go through the daily kind of actions you'll need to practice. Get it in reality. Don't stop there. Consider the changes in mindset you'll need to make during and after your quest to become more fit. You'll have to be relentless in the pursuit of your goal, particularly when those automatic, past-based conversations start to become louder in your head. Once you've faced your problems head-on, how will your sense of self change? When you're the fit and healthy person you want to be, how will your beliefs about yourself be different? What will that life look like? I would warn against the idea that you'll suddenly be awesome. Your future is not the answer to your present. As we have discussed, 
subconscious thoughts are deeply ingrained in your psyche. So it can take a lot of thinking, imagination, and commitment to transform these invisible yet powerful thoughts into ones that better align with your stated goals. As with every page here, make the time to take your time. If you look at the problem areas you came up with before, you might be able to connect to an emotionally charged event somewhere in your life that helped set them in your mind, perhaps in the form of infidelity in a relationship, childhood bullying, parents that never quite lived up to your wants and needs, public embarrassment, or major career failures. But the more you think about your future and what you really want to accomplish, the deeper those thought processes will work their ways into your mind and take hold. Remember, when you explore and discover what it is you've really been winning at, it's not about fighting against or resisting those thoughts and actions, but rather changing direction and setting yourself new goals and outcomes. This must be the kind of work that raises your awareness and throws up red flags for when you're getting off course. The better you understand your patterns, the better shot you have in altering them. When you have set out the goals that you are claiming as yours in life and, more importantly, relentlessly taking the actions to produce, it's only a matter of when. We are wired to win. You are wired to win. Define your game, embrace the challenge, and strive to understand yourself in deeper and more meaningful ways. True understanding of yourself and your personal constraints allows for ever-unfolding degrees of freedom and success. The more aware you become of your hardwiring, the more space and opportunity become available in those areas. Step out there. Trust yourself. Give yourself fully to your vast capacity for victory. Set yourself the challenge of winning in new and exciting ways. Demand your greatness of yourself and repeat after me. I am wired to win. Chapter 4 I Got This Ugh. There comes a time in all of our lives when we're feeling a little down, a little defeated, when it seems like nothing is going or why. It's not like we've completely given up, although sometimes we have, but at the same time, the struggle is very real. You could be facing a massive problem. You got laid off. Your spouse filed for divorce. You wrecked your car. Or maybe all three at the same time. So much for that lucky charm, huh? Or it could be something less serious. You lost your favorite shirt. Your glasses broke. Your dog used your mail for a toy. You didn't get much sleep last night. You burned dinner. The thing is, the negative experiences we have rarely stay contained to that one issue. They spread. Like a toxic chemical, they seep into all aspects of our lives. If you're having financial trouble, 
you'll either consciously or subconsciously stress about it at dinner, which means you don't enjoy your meal. You start feeling on edge around family. You feel resentful toward your spouse and distant from your children. You're annoyed when your dog barks or when your neighbours make too much noise. Little things like traffic and long lines begin prompting your frustration. It's like our whole life is tainted as our smaller problems leak into the bigger picture. Like a coffee spill on your desk, small problems quickly spread and create bigger ones. As the brown liquid relentlessly heads for your laptop, phone and stack of bills while you hopelessly pad at the random chaos with your napkin in some forlorn attempt at denying the disaster, it creates an even bigger mess. That little mess can influence all areas of your life until your emotions surrounding that one area become the lens through which you see everything. You end up thinking, life is too hard. I'll never make it through this. Everyone's a jerk. I'm done with this shit. These sentiments don't reflect reality, no matter what you might currently think, but rather your perception of your reality. Unfortunately, knowing this makes no difference whatsoever when you're stuck right bang in the middle of it all. And of course, all of this only makes things somehow even worse. A negative experience of myself and or my life doesn't help me overcome what I'm dealing with, let alone enjoy my life. To deal with this, we need to shift how we view our problems and the world and adopt a new, powerfully optimistic and grounded approach. That's why my next personal assertion is, I got this. Putting problems in perspective. If all our misfortunes were laid in one common heap, whence everyone must take an equal portion, most people would be content to take their own and depart. That quote is by Socrates. Everyone has their problems, and life isn't always perfect. It never will be. It wasn't 2,400 years ago when Socrates was around, and it certainly isn't today. But if we're being brutally honest with ourselves, we'll realize that our own problems are pretty insignificant compared to the rest of the world's. Really, think about it. If you're reading this, chances are your life isn't as hard as that of a child in Somalia or an untouchable in India. Chances are your problems are pretty small in comparison to the ones people had when Socrates was born in 470 BC, before modern medicine, or electricity, or cars, or any one of a number of everyday advances we take for granted in our day and age. You don't even have to travel across the globe or back in time for a comparison either. Travel to the other side of your town, or look around your office or neighborhood and you're almost guaranteed to find plenty of people with problems worse than yours. You might not see it, but it's the same for all of us. We only see the highlight reels of others' lives while being continually reminded of our own behind-the-scenes. If you're rolling your eyes and wondering, how does any of that help me solve my problems? 
I'll tell you. It doesn't. None of this will change the tire on your car for you or deposit another thousand dollars into your bank account. Now, just for a moment of your significant existence, stop picking fluff out of your belly button and look around you. Get connected to your reality, your real life, instead of your emotionally soaked self-talk narrative about your life. What this will do is help you put things in some kind of reality-based perspective. This will serve to help you face life and all of its problems with a powerful attitude, to starve the creeping specter of negativity that can and does catch us in its grip. If everyone around you is dealing with their issues, even those that are worse than yours, then you certainly can. But I get it. Even as I say all of this, we both know that when disaster strikes, it's challenging to stay level-handed. Our problems are still real, they still hurt, and they can still result in our emotions getting the better of us. When you start having those crappy feelings, Take a step back. Way back. No, back further than that. Much further than that. Keep going. See if you can picture your life for what it really is. You have to start here with your imagination. Firstly, I advise my clients to start by looking at their entire life. Imagine it in front of you like a railroad track running left to right as far as the eye can see. Of course, the tracks aren't just sitting in the middle of a void. They cut through countryside and cities, under tunnels and over bridges, across stretches of ocean, around towering mountains and plunging canyons. Picture the magnitude and magical variety of the surroundings. Now look way down those tracks to the left. This is your past. This is where you came from the ground you've already covered in your journey through life. Follow the tracks down and far into the distance. As you walk, you'll see your entire life, everything that's ever happened to you, expanding in front of you. Take the time to think about the most memorable experiences from your life. Perhaps you recall walking down the aisle with the love of your life. Maybe it's the birth of your first child and the feeling of holding them in your arms. Would you trade that for anything? Go back to that family vacation you took in the Caribbean, spending a few days in paradise. How about when you closed on your first house, or when you landed that job you wanted? Whatever your past, savor the memory of each wonderful experience. Depending on where you are today, you've got dozens or hundreds of great experiences to look back on. Graduations, promotions, awards, parties and relationships. Even the little things, like childhood memories that cradle and comfort you, or those memorable tastes, sights and sounds that embrace you in their familiarity and inspire feelings of warmth and joy. Open up and allow yourself the good grace of those times. But don't just limit it to the sugary goodness either. Think about the bad too. Recall all the times when you struggled, suffered setbacks or got knocked down. The arguments, the breakups, the speeding tickets or the late bills. Do you remember that time when your parents caught you sneaking out and grounded you? 
If you experienced a tough childhood, let all of that in here. How about the time you forgot to pay your electricity bill and you had to spend the night reading by candlelight? Or when you got surgery and had to spend days lying in a hospital bed? Or when you broke up with someone and felt depressed for weeks? Let all of it in. From the most tragic and traumatic to the merely irritating, annoying or regretful. Remember all the problems you faced and eventually overcame. A lot of them may be very similar to what you're dealing with today. You probably felt a lot of the same emotions back then too. You thought you'd never get over your ex, that you'd never find a better job, or that you wouldn't live through the humiliation of some situation. But you did. You raised up and kicked on. And looking back, some of those problems might even seem a little silly now. Can you believe how upset you were when you got a D on your math test in high school? Or how bad you felt when you never got a second date with that girl or guy you liked? Even the most serious problems probably seem a lot different today. After all, you did make it through them, and they ultimately helped shape and form who you are today. Looking to the future Now that you've travelled to the end of the track in one direction, it's time to turn around and head the other way. To the right, if you haven't figured it out, is your future. Here's where you'll find the things to come, all of the experiences and events awaiting you in life. New relationships with people you've yet to meet. Places to visit that you've never been. Doing the things you've always wanted to try. You'll get to experience the spine-tingling rush that comes when you first kiss someone you're really attracted to, or the connection, satisfaction, and peace of growing old with the person you love. Maybe you'll have children and watch them grow up, make the honor roll, score touchdowns, and perform in the school play. In no time at all, they'll be introducing you to the love of their life. And then will come trips to the movies or Disney World with your grandkids. There are reams of untapped potential and opportunity waiting in your future. Whether it's a major life event or a night of laughing with your best friends, the future can have truly great things in store for you. Of course, it won't all be puppies and rainbows, but you already know that. There will be trials and tribulations, disappointments, defeats, fights, and fears. Don't stop there. Keep looking all the way down to the end, the ultimate end. That's right. This life will come to a close. Your life force will cease to exist on this physical plane. Your experience of being you will conclude. Think about the day you're going to die. I know it's not pleasant, but it's going to happen. So why not accept it now? In this life, you'll sometimes have to do things you don't want to, with people you don't like, and in places you don't care for. People will leave your life as quickly and easily as they came into it. You'll lose money, things will break, and your dog will die. But you'll get through it all, the good and the bad, just like you did in the past. You'll stand there like the champion you are, because they're all just yet another passing scene in the movie that is your life story.
A Sea of Somethings. It is during our darkest moments that we must focus to see the light. That quote is by Aristotle. The purpose of this exercise is to get you to start putting things back into perspective. As you examine all the things you've experienced and all the things you've yet to experience, take a moment to examine what you're currently dealing with today. Everything on your plate at this point in time is just another something in a sea of somethings. Your boat hasn't and won't sink so easily. There may be some waves. You might go through some storms. And you'll probably end up seasick from time to time. But your journey across that ocean we call life will continue. But just like the captain facing a major squall, you can't just let yourself be tossed about. You have to step up and steer your life back in the direction you want it to go. So your journey wasn't as smooth as you wanted it to be. Does that mean you're going to let yourself get blown off course? I don't think so. And you definitely shouldn't let what happens in one area of life affect your outlook on the whole. You just can't afford to allow your struggles at work to make you miserable at home or let your relationship troubles affect your mood at the office. Face your problems as they come, one by one. Give them the attention they need and move on bundling them all together into a morass of confusion and letting them overwhelm you just won't help. It takes precision, patience, and discipline of thought. Work through each item pragmatically and with a solution in mind. Remember, everything is solvable. And if you can't see a solution, it only means you haven't worked it out yet. Often the reason you can't see the solution is because you're too close to the problem. Zoom out a little. Zoom out a lot. And look at the big picture. This is a phenomenon similar to what psychologists call cognitive restructuring. Shifting the way in which your problems are presenting themselves in your life. Our minds naturally play tricks on us. Twisting and distorting our thoughts in ways that are not always rational. Even though we'd like to think we're always logical, we're not. We're at the mercy of cognitive biases, emotions, and misconceptions, and most of it is completely unseen by us. Sometimes we're too close, too involved in it to even realize. It's up to us to slow down, take a step back, and understand what's really going on. That's one of the peculiar things about bad moods. We often fool ourselves and create misery by telling ourselves things that simply are not true. That's a quote by David D. Burns. And if the things are still out of focus, take another step back, and another, and another. Ask yourself, what's really going on here? Until you experience your problems cleanly, clearly, and free of that emotional anchor. Persist until you can see the whole course of your life and realize that your current problems are just another bump in the road. You got this. When you finally put things into perspective, you'll come to your assertion. 
I got this. You'll start to really believe it, experience it, and live from it. You can handle this. It's not going to kill you. Your life isn't over. You've got plenty more left in the tank. Plenty. I got this doesn't mean you have the perfect solution. It just means you have your hands on the wheel. You have a say in this, just like you've had a say all along. I mean, come on. You live for this shit. It's not always pretty. It's not always fun. But you've got this. We're not just saying this to paper over the cracks or to make you feel a little better for a split second. Look at your track record. You've really got this. You'll make it work, just like you always have. You had it then, and you got it now. Get in touch with who you really are and say it. I got this. I got this. I got this. Chapter 5 I Embrace the Uncertainty You're an addict. You're out of control and so dependent on your drug of choice, you don't even realize how it's affecting your life. You have a gnawing craving. And that craving is for prediction. Will it rain tomorrow? How will my stock perform? Who will win the Super Bowl? You're constantly looking ahead, trying to figure out what's going to happen before it actually does. Why? Certainty. We seek the certain and avoid the uncertain. We want to know what to expect, where to go, and what to wear. We want to be prepared. We want to be safe. It's far beyond a want, though. It's more like that addiction. We're sizing people up before we even know them, predicting their character in seconds. We buy goods and brand names we're used to, even though there are plenty of alternatives. We take supplements and vitamins to prevent an illness we don't yet have, date people for months, sometimes years, to make sure of our future, to make sure that it turns out in a way that we can predict. Give me that certainty, certainty, certainty. We all know the bumper stickers and internet memes that praise risk-takers and urge us to embrace uncertainty. We even know that our openness to taking risks directly correlates with our potential for fortune and possibility. Yet many of us still stay inside our own little organized, certain world. And there's a reason for that. Until fairly recently, the world was a much scarier place for the likes of you and me. Every step into the unknown was a dance with death. Life was one big game of Russian roulette. Literally every day, you and every other being on the face of the earth would have been an entree on the dinner menu for an assortment of beasts and creatures or among the poor suckers who walked blindly into the path of Mother Nature's dark sense of humour. Lucky for us, the world isn't nearly as scary as it was thousands of years ago, although not quite a utopian safe zone. Life has become much safer. Unbelievably so, in fact. Medicine and technology get better by the day. Violent crime, although rampant in our news outlets, 
is in fact a rarity in the everyday life of your average citizen in a Western country. Sure, there are still deadly diseases and the threat of random acts of violence or catastrophe, but the chances of you catching a mystery zombie virus or being swept up with Dorothy and Toto to a fantastical Hollywood dreamland are, I'm happy to say, slim. Here's some other startling news. Chances are you're not going to suddenly die on the way to the grocery store. Your boss isn't actually going to kill you if you ask for a raise, and believe it or not, asking someone out on a date will not result in your pants mysteriously falling to the floor, painfully exposing your SpongeBob SquarePants underwear, and bringing about your early demise via acute terminal embarrassment with the insidious laughter of everyone in Starbucks ringing in your ears as you depart this mortal coil. In other words, our aversion to risk, which was once necessary, no longer is. Those same survival instincts that once kept us alive can now be the very thing that keeps us from actually living. A paradigm of potential. Our obsession with certainty can be tragic and counterproductive for two reasons. First, uncertainty is where things happen. Uncertainty is your personal pathway to opportunity. It's the environment in which you grow, experience new things, and produce new, unprecedented results. Uncertainty is where new happens. The desire for safety stands against every great and noble enterprise. That's a quote by Tacitus. When you stick to what you're comfortable with, doing the same things you've always done, you're in effect living in the past, not moving forward. You're repeating things and behaviors that at one time in your life were risky since you didn't know what they would lead to, but have since turned into routine. Think about it. How can you go to new places if you never leave the house? How can you make friends and start romances without meeting new people? How can you do anything new by doing what you've always done? You can't. The truth is, you can't even predict what the people you know will do, let alone the people you don't know. Whether it's the checkout line, or a nightclub, or the bank, social situations are inevitably filled with uncertainty. Geez, half of the time you can't even predict your own thoughts and feelings. Think of the many times you've rushed to judge and then later changed your mind. How will you ever get a raise if you don't take the risk of asking? How will you get ahead in your career if you're always holding on to certainty and comfort? You won't. Success is never certain. It never comes without risk. Even if you're the smartest or the hardest working, there's no guarantee of anything. The people who go on to do great things in their lives know this. They also embrace it. In any moment of decision, the best thing you can do is the right thing. The next best thing is the wrong thing. And the worst thing you can do is nothing. That quote is by Theodore Roosevelt. Reflect on that Teddy Roosevelt quote for a minute here. Missing the target isn't the worst thing you can do. Not taking the shot is. 
You may look at successful people and think they have always had it figured out. Many of them seem to have a kind of confidence, charisma, or talent that makes everything they do seem easy. They certainly seem to have something you don't. But believe me, their rise to the top was anything but certain or easy. Most of them doubted it every single day, sometimes hundreds of times per day. That's right, they sat there, just like you are right now, wondering how they would make it, whether it was all worthwhile or whether they had what it takes. There were days when they doubted what they were doing, where they thought, this is never going to work. Many found themselves on the verge of giving up at numerous occasions along the way. They didn't succeed because they were certain they were going to succeed. They succeeded because they didn't let uncertainty stop them. They did it anyway. They ignored their doubts and kept pushing forward. They were relentless when the only thing they had to fuel them was relentlessness. Give some thought to all the people who have achieved something great, only to quickly fade into obscurity. I'm sure you can think of a few, whether they're entertainers or business people or athletes. In my career, I've coached many successful people who came to me because their lives had gone flat and they had become uninspired and tepid. What happened? For many of them, they got comfortable. For years, they had pushed their comfort zones to get where they wanted to be. But as soon as they chose certainty over uncertainty, they stopped achieving. They hit the wall. Why does it happen? Because when you've accomplished one of your goals, when you're rich and successful, the future naturally seems a little more certain. I'm sure we'd all feel a little more secure with a million bucks or so in the bank. But that mindset shift is exactly what creates the environment for our ultimate undoing. When we're no longer uncertain about money, the desire, the need even, to pursue it recedes. When we're no longer uncertain about success, our ambition can blunt or mellow. We get to wallow in our bloated illusion of certainty. Eventually, we get to do that thing called settle. We settle for certainty. That's the kind of power that uncertainty has in our lives. can make us or break us. It can make us rich or make us poor. It can be the key to our success or drive us in the other direction. For many people, it ends up being both. Chasing what doesn't exist. The funny thing is, no matter how much you chase certainty, you'll never really be able to hold it or retain it. That's because it doesn't exist. The universe will always send us little reminders of its chaos and power, and no one is exempt from the prompting. Nothing is certain. You could go to sleep tonight and never wake up. You could get in your car and never make it to work. Certainty is a complete illusion. Voodoo. Some of you might find this terrible to think about, but it's true. No matter how hard we may try, we can never predict exactly what life will bring. Our plans will falter at some point eventually. By running from uncertainty in search of certainty, 
We are actually rejecting the one thing in life that is guaranteed in favor of something that's nothing more than a fantasy. All I know, Socrates once said, is that I know nothing. Many wise people understand this. In fact, they owe their wisdom to that very realization that they don't actually know a damn thing. Because when we think we know everything, we inadvertently turn ourselves away from the unknown and, by default, whole new realms of success. The person who accepts how unpredictable and uncertain life is has no choice but to embrace it. They're not afraid of the uncertain. It's just a part of life. They don't seek out certainty because they know it doesn't really exist. They are also the kind of people who are aware of and open to the real magic and miracles of life and what can be accomplished. One of the pillars of philosophy is the examination of how we know what we know. How can we prove that what we believe is true? In most cases, we can't. In reality, even many of the things we think of as hard facts aren't. They're half-truths. They're assumptions. They're misinterpretations. They're guesses. They're based on cognitive biases, faulty information or conditioning. Use science as an example. What we believed 5, 10 or 20 years ago has since been disproved. We have made radical leaps in understanding and those leaps are continuing every day. What we know today will one day be looked upon as archaic and outdated. Consider that those same limits of understanding are everywhere in your life. If we can't even be certain about what we know today, how can we know what will happen tomorrow? As you've probably noticed, when you do try to stay in your comfort zone, you never feel truly comfortable. There's always a nagging feeling that you could be doing more. There's always that desire for a life that's better than the one you have now. The more we try to stay comfortable today, the more uncomfortable we'll be tomorrow. There really is no destination. There's only exploring, exploring, and exploring. Step forward and be judged. Like plenty of other things in our lives, part of our aversion to uncertainty comes from our fear of being judged by others. We are, in a very real way, afraid of what the tribe thinks and the prospect of being thrown out into the mystery and uncertainty of the wild. If we put ourselves in uncomfortable situations, maybe we'll look awkward. People will think we're weird. If we push our limits and try to achieve new things, maybe we'll fail. People will think we're a failure. If you want to improve, be content to be thought foolish and stupid. That quote is by Epictetus. You're never going to achieve your true potential if you're hooked by what other people think. In fact, you could change your life overnight if you simply abandon the notion that other people's opinions matter. Life goes on. Opinion heavy or opinion light. That doesn't mean you should go off and become a brazen sociopath and completely disregard what others think. But if you want to win, you have to be willing to be judged by others and not let it get to you. If you want to do something truly great, you'll have to accept 
that some people are going to think you're delusional or an idiot or self-righteous. The person who avoids the uncertain doesn't do this. They're too afraid of being judged. They're too afraid to look foolish or stupid. They are stopped, one foot nailed to the floor, by an illusion. Embracing the uncertain. This can all come as quite a shock. Some of you are probably squirming in your chair as you read this. That's because you're rejecting and avoiding uncertainty. You're afraid of it. You're trying to control and know things that you simply can't know or control. You're caught up in the la-la land that we're all born into and can never quite seem to get out of. The good news is, it doesn't have to be that way. That's why I want you to shift your thinking. Embrace the uncertainty. That's your personal assertion. I embrace the uncertainty. Meet it head on. Cherish it. Enjoy it. Remember, all of the successes, all of the experiences, all of the things you've always dreamed of are waiting for you in uncertainty. Once you accept this, it's not as scary as before. Sure, I mean, you might still be nervous about what will happen, but you'll also be hopeful and excited at the prospect of what may come. While the unknown can hold plenty of bad things, it also holds everything good as well. It's overflowing with opportunity and progress. I challenge you to go out today and take the bull by the horns and embrace your own uncertainty. Do the things you normally wouldn't. Shake up that daily routine. Dare to dream. Dare to risk and startle your life into life. Start with simple things. Take a different route to work. Instead of bringing your lunch or eating at the same few places, try somewhere you've never been. Start a conversation with the waiter or cashier. Smile and say hello to the people you pass on the street or give them a friendly nod. Talk to that girl or guy who caught your eye. Or maybe you're an actual extrovert who does all of that already. What are the things that make you uncomfortable? What are the things you'd like to do but avoid because of uncertainty? Do them. Starting now. There's no better time than this moment. Develop and grow that muscle to be with the uncertain in life. To be with the glory of life itself, unconstrained by your own limits and opinions. Don't stop there. Instead of simply stretching our comfort zone, let's blow the thing up completely. Try acting in a way you'd never think about acting. Doing something completely out of character would be a great start. Embrace that uncertainty and strike a blow for your future. Opportunity Hunting Embracing uncertainty has the power to transform your life, from your personal relationships to your career. It can help you get in shape, make more money, or find your future spouse. You'll no longer be hiding from life, you'll be living it, drinking from it, and enlivened by it. When you stop searching for certainty, when you quit trying to make sense of everything, a lot of your stress will simply melt away. There really is nothing to figure out. If you took the time to be with what I'm saying, you'd realize that what causes most of your worry is trying to predict the future and then refusing to accept things when they don't or aren't going to go your way. Life 
is an adventure. It's absolutely filled with opportunity, but it's up to you to embrace those opportunities fully and completely in all of their majestic, unnerving and invigorating uncertainty. Focus on the things you can control and release yourself from worrying about what you can't, like the weather, the Dow Jones, or what your neighbor thinks about your haircut. I embrace the uncertainty. This one simple statement can completely change the way you live moment to moment to moment. The only thing that's guaranteed in life is that it's uncertain. The only thing we know is that we know nothing. Go ahead. Say it. Embrace it. I embrace the uncertainty. Chapter 6 I am not my thoughts. I am what I do. Change your thoughts. Change your life. I was scrolling through Facebook recently when I came across this little gem. It had more likes than Justin Bieber and comments up the yin-yang. As I sat there in my crimson smoking jacket and pale yellow cravat, I pondered its philosophical weight while sipping softly at the edges of my evening creme de month. Okay, I was wearing an old ACDC t-shirt and sweatpants and drinking coffee, but you get the picture. After a moment, I thought to myself, what a complete pile of bullshit that is. Imagine this. You're at work. You've got something to do, but you're dreading it. Just not feeling it today. You glance at the clock. 10.34. Oh well, at least it's not long till lunch. Hmm, what will I eat today? Oh, I've been wanting to try that new place down the street. My co-worker said it's really good, but I really should stick to my budget. You suddenly snap back to reality and find yourself staring at the blinking cursor on your computer screen. Wow, I suck at this. I'm just not up for it today. I need some energy. Before you know it, you've opened your browser and are scrolling through one of your favorite time-wasting sites. Wowzer! Hover shoes! I could really use some of those. Quick step back to reality. Check your email. Message from your credit card company. I'm in so much debt. I'm never going to get out of this mess. No hover shoes or lunch out for me. A notification from that online dating site you signed up for a few weeks ago. I'll never find someone. My love life's a disaster. Maybe relationships and I just don't match. Someone walks past your cubicle. You frantically click your mouse and mash on the keyboard, feigning busyness for the unsuspecting intruder. Whew, that was close. Look at the clock again, 11.13. Another half hour wasted. I really should get to work. Right after I... Is any of this sounding familiar? Maybe you don't work in an office, but you can still relate to that feeling of dread that hits when you're faced with something you've been resisting. Like you'd rather do anything than the task at hand. That to-do list quickly becomes a don't-want-to-do list. Even if you're married or already in a relationship, you might also identify with those feelings of undesirability. When your thoughts about your situation have become more consuming and debilitating, than everything else. When you've become so distracted from what your relationship is supposed to be about, so embroiled in the shoulds, shouldn'ts, coulds, 
couldn'ts, and who's right or wrong, you often wonder why the hell you're still in it at all. The truth is, we all do this from time to time. Even the most driven, most successful, and wisest among us have these kinds of thoughts. So what is it that separates those successful people from you and me? They understand, consciously or otherwise, one simple thing. What they think and what they do don't always have to align. You are not your thoughts. You're not your thoughts. You're not defined by what's inside your head. You are what you do. Your actions. Great thoughts speak only to the thoughtful mind. But great actions speak to all mankind. That's a quote by Theodore Roosevelt. Most of us let our internal condition weigh heavily on what we do. But the truly great performers are great precisely because they've learned to experience those feelings while sidestepping the inclination to act upon them. It's not that they never doubt themselves or never have a desire to procrastinate or avoid a particular situation. It's not that they always feel like doing what they should. They simply focus and lean in. They act anyway. It'd be great if we could simply decide to never have a negative thought But when it comes down to it, that's just not realistic. I know, I know, my positive thinking peeps are losing their minds at this statement. But here's something for even those people to consider. Haven't you wondered why you came up with positivity as an answer to your life in the first place? Have you ever noticed how you are when impacted or surrounded by apparently negative people or situations? That's right. Even you get gripped by the old negative hand now and again, no matter how you might try and avoid it. The truth is, it's difficult to have a say in, let alone control, what you think about. Especially because, as we've established elsewhere in this book, we're not even aware of the majority of things we think about. We have just as many pointless, irrelevant thoughts as important ones. Then there are those default thoughts that pop into your head day in and day out. Thoughts of unworthiness, being judged, not belonging, or some lack of competence. All of this while going to work, paying your bills, going to the grocery store, or driving your car. Many of the things I teach my clients involve changing the way you approach and look at life. But these are long-term solutions. Ultimately, my goal is to help you shift your subconscious. And that, my dears, is like turning a battleship. It takes time. No matter how hard you try, you're going to have the occasional negative thought, maybe more than occasionally, maybe every day, maybe hundreds of times per day. You're going to have days when you don't want to get out of bed, when you don't want to go to work when you don't want to take care of your responsibilities. But you do. Every day, you engage in activities that you don't really want to do. That means you already have a muscle for having thoughts and acting independently of them. As I consistently say to my clients, 
you don't have to feel like today is your day. You just have to act like it is. Sure, it never hurts to be in the right kind of mood or mindset, but if we sit around waiting to be in the perfect mood, we're just never going to get started. I've come across literally thousands of people in my career who have spent their lives waiting to feel or think differently. And while inspiration or motivation may strike once in a while, they are fickle friends and can't be depended on to show up whenever you need them. We become just by performing just actions, temperate by performing temperate actions, brave by performing brave actions. That's a quote by Aristotle. You change your life by doing, not by thinking about doing. In fact, when you become closely associated with the actions you're taking, something magical starts to become apparent. Thoughts without actions are just that. Thoughts. And your negative thoughts about yourself, others, or your circumstances will have no impact on your success as long as you leave them where they lie. How doing changes your thinking. The benefits of doing are twofold. Doing gets you doing what you need to do, of course. But it is, ironically, also the quickest way to change your thoughts. There are a couple of reasons for this. We know your thoughts can become your reality. And when your reality is one of acting on the things that are in your best interests, your thoughts will actually shift to match that. Think about this. Your thoughts and the resulting feelings are not always aligned with what is in the best interests of your life, your health, your finances, or your potential. Many times, those same thoughts and feelings are pulling you away from your potential. Things like doubt, fear, procrastination, or frustration rule the day instead of the kind of positive action that will actually forward your life. If you always attack the task at hand without hesitation, what will you think the next time you have something important to do? Your thoughts start to become intuitive action over time until you start to act independently of your negative thoughts time after time after time. Are you going to think about yourself and what you lack? Or are you going to deal with the actions presenting themselves right there in that moment of time? Haven't you ever noticed when you're fully immersed in something, all of your problems or negative conversations seem to disappear? When you are cognitively and genuinely engaged in a practice or project, that internal chatter gets quieter and quieter. The golfers, tennis players, meditators, knitters, musicians, artists, and runners among us know exactly what I'm talking about. Athletes call this the zone. And the good news is, you can get better at getting in the zone too. When you can focus your attention on the action at hand, eventually your consciousness starts to get the idea. Each time you do, you build your experience of self-confidence and trust in yourself. All of that impacts the long-term way in what you think. So what's the second way 
that actions influence our thoughts. Remember when I said your thoughts can become your reality? That's true. Well, your thoughts can become your reality. It's only through your actions that your thoughts actually become your life. Until then, they are only thoughts. Sometimes our mind is like the equivalent of a funhouse mirror, distorting and contorting and blurring our lives and our potential. Our minds often have an unrealistic perception of the world, peppered with interpretation, misunderstanding, automatic behaviours and opinions, and cultural and familial programming all laid on top of our lives like designs on a giant sheet of tracing paper. The more we strive to get our reality to match this design, the more we struggle. The gap between how life is and how we think life is, is often the black hole in which we fruitlessly labour. We think things are worse or better, harder or easier, than they actually are due to this cacophony of background noise and judgement. Consider this. You just messed up something important. Immediately thoughts like, I'm so stupid, and I always screw things up, randomly pop into your head. All this means is that your reaction to one situation is out of sync with the whole. Just like when you whine, yes, you whine, about how impossible what you need to do is. Your brain starts to follow that line of thought all the way down the rabbit hole. Fortunately, by accepting and including your thoughts as just a small part of the whole and getting down to taking actions, you'll slowly start to realize just how out of touch you've been all along. This method is actually similar to one used by psychiatrists giving therapy to their patients. That's because it works. By challenging our thoughts with actions and exposing ourselves to the situations we resist, we train our brain to see the world more cognitively. We get accustomed to living life as is rather than how we think it is. The next time you're feeling or experiencing any sort of negative or diminishing thought that disempowers you, move on immediately. Act independently of that thought. More specifically, act in a way that's in your best interests rather than in a way that is dominated by how you automatically think and feel. Each time will be better than the last until your mind wakes up and realizes, hey, I can do this, I'm learning. Action greases the wheel of life. Inaction breeds doubt and fear. Action breeds confidence and courage. If you want to conquer fear, do not sit home and think about it. Go out and get busy. That quote is by Dale Carnegie. I like what Dale says here. When we choose action instead of inaction, when we act beyond our automatic thoughts, something interesting happens. We start to forget about the things that are bothering us. Simply put, when we act, we just don't have time for anything else. It's hard to focus on your internal worrying and naysaying when you're busy getting things done. It's all about momentum. Once you've started rolling, it's easier to stay moving. 
That road that looked so long and intimidating before starts to blur as you speed across it. But you've got to put your key in the ignition, crank her up, and put it in drive first. The car isn't going to start itself and then wait patiently for you in the driveway. When you think about it, that's basically what most of us do. We want to be driven. We think a more productive mood will chauffeur us through life. A confident mood will make things easier or more doable. But if you want to get where you're going, you'll have to take the wheel. You have to buckle in and stomp hard on that gas pedal, whether you're ready to or not. Today, I want you to do something different than what you normally do. I want you to act in a way that's independent of your typical negative or unproductive thoughts. Act on the moment and in line with what the item in front of your face demands of you. Fuck how you feel. Act. Don't wait for the mood to strike. Don't get stuck looking for that magic feeling that will do the work for you. Simply act. Put aside your thoughts and move. It's not about psyching yourself up. It's not about getting everything aligned just right. Just act. Do it. Not in a minute. Not after the show is over. Now. Of course, your mind will always try to rationalize not acting. It'll remind you of all the other things you could be doing. It'll drudge up all your recent stresses and doubts. But don't act on your thoughts. Act on what's in front of you. Change your life by changing your actions. That's the only way. Still need more motivation? Think about the greatest people you know of, either personally or by reputation. Do you consider their thoughts? Or do you remember their actions? Do you think Gandhi or Rosa Parks or Abraham Lincoln were never gripped by thoughts of doubt? fear, or uncertainty. How about Nikola Tesla or Steve Jobs? Do you seriously think those people woke up every day in the perfect mood with everything's coming up roses playing in their heads? Hell no! They were racked by the same kind of shit you are. But they acted anyway. They rolled up whatever was in their way, set it aside, and strode out into the unknown. It wasn't a passive endeavor. Their greatness didn't just miraculously float out into the ether for us to consume. If they hadn't taken action, we'd have never known what their passions were in the first place. We'd never have witnessed their greatness or wisdom. They toiled, doubted, and had sleepless nights. They worried and battled and grounded out until their lives and their work finally aligned. I mean, come on! Chances are, you can think of plenty of people, past and present, who appear to have good thoughts, but never accomplished much. That's what we become when we are more worried about how we think than what we do. On the other hand, think of how many people with negative thoughts have gone on to become wildly successful. All the legendary musicians with drug problems. All the pro-athletes with anger management issues, the models with unhealthy body images, the millionaires with scarcity mindsets. We could go on and on. The point is, 
positive thinking isn't a predictor of accomplishment any more than negative thinking indicates failure. All of the people described above acted independently of their internal condition. You can too. It's all about action. Going out there, doing it, and taking all your negative bullshit along for the ride. It's never going to get any better, any easier, or any more understandable. This is it. Life is now, and you're never going to have a better moment than this. Don't know what to do or where to start? Good. That's your first action. Find out. Understand. Troll the internet. Read books. Ask questions. Take courses. Seek advice. Do whatever you need to do to unfuck yourself and get into your life. Get up on your feet and get going. Benjamin Disraeli said, Action may not bring happiness, but there is no happiness without action. Separating your thoughts from who you are. I am not my thoughts. I am what I do. That's your newest personal assertion. The phrase that sums it all up. Go ahead. Try it out. I am not my thoughts. I am what I do. You are not your thoughts. They're just a bunch of random things running through your head. Many of them you have no control over. Eventually, we'd all like to have better, more positive thoughts. But sitting there isn't going to make it happen. It's when we challenge our bodies and minds, when we experience, when we face our fears, when we accomplish, even when we fail, that we truly change who we are. You could be the smartest person in the world, but that doesn't mean a thing if you don't take action. Remember that the next time you're not feeling it, when you're not in the mood to go to work or take a significant step in life, when you're doubting yourself too much to get started. Forget all of it. Just take that first step and the next one and the next one. You are not your thoughts. Act. You are what you do. Chapter 7 I Am Relentless Think back to some of your biggest successes in life. Maybe you made a really big sale, started a new business, or bought a house. Maybe you got married to the love of your life, or went back to school or completed a marathon. It could be anything you're truly proud of. How the hell did you achieve it? Well, you probably weren't sitting on the couch pondering your navel. Chances are you weren't wrapped up in the humdrum of your everyday existence either, or mentally calculating the sharp rise in the price of milk since 1977. So what was it? I may not be able to guess exactly what you were doing, but I can be certain of one thing. You were uncomfortable. Put a slightly different way, you were most likely operating outside of your comfort zone. From the nervousness and doubt we feel when we take risks in our careers, to the muscle soreness and shortness of breath we experience pumping out another five minutes on the treadmill, our biggest successes are born out of discomfort, uncertainty and risk. Theodore Roosevelt said, Nothing in the world 
is worth having or worth doing unless it means effort, pain, difficulty. In fact, the greater the degree of discomfort you experience, the greater the difficulty, the greater the sense of personal accomplishment that comes after. And that's why great accomplishments and extraordinary successes are so rare. Because most people don't like being uncomfortable. Being relentless. Anytime you're working to achieve something, you're going against the current. Often the opinions of the people around you are trying to push and pull you away from your destination. They'll say you can't do it, you're making a mistake, it's impossible, you'll fail. The more unique and out of the box your endeavor is, the stronger the pushback can be. Why? Well, mostly because the other people in your life have gotten used to relating to you as a specific kind of person. So anytime you attempt to break out of that mold, you're not only messing with your own world, you're also messing